<risa> Welcome to my party. Amigos, bienvenidos al Christian Podcast. I just want to acknowledge people tuning in from all over the world. From the United States, Mexico, United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, Netherlands, Ireland, India, Albania, Indonesia, Australia, Israel, Singapore, Philippines, Poland, Nigeria, Cyprus, South Africa, New Zealand, Rwanda, Brazil, Pakistan, Ghana, Austria, Kuwait, Malaysia, Mongolia, España, Denmark, Republic of Lithuania, Guatemala, Finland, Saudi Arabia, Italy, Norway, Ethiopia, Colombia. Thank you for tuning in. Bienvenidos al Christian Podcast. ¿Cuántos años viviste en Chile? Un, un año en 2013. Ah, ok. Ah, okay. So, ¿No fue hace mucho? ¿Seven years ago? Yeah. Wow. It's, it keeps That's being cool. longer and longer. Uh, ok. Let's try your... I'm going to ask a question in Spanish and see no, <laughs> if you get it. ¿Has vivido en otro país donde se habla español? Sí. I, I lived in another country that that uh, spoke Spanish, right? Sí, aparte de Chile. Ah, no, just visiting. Argentina, ah, okay. Mexico. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's so cool. Well, you passed the, you passed the <laughs> test. <laughs> I had a boyfriend in um, Toluca for a while. So like we went to a wedding in Puebla and his family was in Mexico City. So we would like go to different places and I would fly down. Uh, wow. When we would hang out so. <laughs> sounds fun sounds like you've been everywhere so i think there's a lot to learn from you this morning <laughs> i've been yeah i lived in france for a while i lived i grew up in brunei borneo and went to school with the sultan's kids i uh and then i've lived in a couple of states across america as well wow that's so cool well reina rose are you ready for this I hope so. I've been so excited. I really loved listening to the episode that I listened to. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get on and chat. We're going to have so much fun. <laughs> nice. Well, this is it. We're here. No, I'm in the bunker in Costa Mesa, California, broadcasting to all the world through, of course, the internet. No, so christianpodcast.com. And we're on Anchor. And today is the first day we've ever... I mean, we're releasing the podcast on Roku, Ooh. so today is the day. It's published. I, I mean, I'm still yet to find it and like search it up and, and make sure it's there, but I got an email that says, you know, it's been published. So I'm excited, you know, because the, the podcast is growing and it's, it's getting, you know, in, in many outlets and media sources, so it's pretty fun, fun and exciting. So, That's awesome. Did you know I have a show on Roku as well? I think I saw on your Instagram, it says uh, Soul Nutritionist. Yeah, um, my show on Roku is on um, Christian Times Magazine channel, and it's okay. called Soul Nutrition. And I have a Soul second Nutrition. show right now that I'm only running for a short period. It's called Access Eco. It's about uh, sustainability. Nice. That's not well, really that's... a Christian show. It's just uh, <clears throat> it's about yeah. the earth and the environment. 
But my other show it. is a totally Christian show, and I have I've had really cool guests on there. Um, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. I had uh, Chuck Smith Jr. I've had wow. just really cool. I've had Anglican Monk on my show. So, <laughs> but that's times. on Roku too. So we're Roku, uh, Roku. neighbors now. Cool. I'm gonna look it up too for sure, and add it to my my Roku TV. So let's introduce you a little bit for the people that are new new to Raina Rose. How would you describe, you know, some of what you do or who you are or you know what makes you passionate about life? Um, yeah, sure. So I'm known as the Soul Nutritionist, which I uh, started out with the background when I was 19. I started a fitness business, so I was really into health and wellness. But now um, I'm still into health and wellness, but I really take that deeper into our souls and what that means to, I sort of steal uh, the Apostle Paul's description of, you know, the body and the spirit when we're comparing the two. And so I compare a lot of, you know, we understand health and nutrition for the most part as a society, mm -hmm. but then we we think about eating organic, you know, and exercising and things, but then we treat our souls like eating pizza and ice cream every night and sitting on the sofa really lazy. <laughs> and we wonder why our soul feels, you know, Not apathetic. Me. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. I feel terrible. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. So my book is called, it's kind of a racy title and I did it on purpose, you know, is Sin Tastes Good. And the nice. subtitle is Nourishing the Soul in an Empty Calorie World, right? But yeah. the idea of sin tastes good is like, we think about, okay, yeah, let's have a night on the sofa eating pizza and ice cream. And you think, yeah, that's going to be good. But how do you feel about 30 minutes later? Like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe the, whole like, after, the next the day, next day. You feel, like really slow, yeah. right? And so that's the idea is like sin always seems like it's going to be really good. And maybe it even is in the moment. But then how do you feel a half hour later, an hour later, two weeks later? Uh, and it's always, you know, there's a reason it's called missing the mark. Yeah, that's good. Reina, so Reina Rose, I was reading on your no on your blog or your your website called uh -huh. Reina slash rose.com that you went through some somewhat of a name change uh phase. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? I have a no, I have a few friends who have gone through name changes, but I have uh, I'm just gonna say it right now, you know. I have like two different kinds of experiences uh, with my friends, right? Uh -huh. One was like totally, it was almost like super dark, you know, when they changed the name and it meant like they were living a life like of isolation and, you know, we're almost like superiority. And I was like, wow, that's so strange, you know, but they changed the name. Uh -huh. But then I've heard of other people that go through almost like the same process of changing the name, but it's all because because almost like you know god gave me a different name and this is the reason why and it's almost all the time related to how you live towards other people so Absolutely. i mean just want to know a little bit about your experience with the name change <laughs> sure so th the name change was a couple of years ago but it's really been more of a decade process and this isn't always something i tell people because it was really weird for me i was actually driving one day and you know when god kind of stops you and puts something on your heart so strong that you can't shake it. Like it wasn't audible. I didn't hear God speak in my ears, but on my heart, I felt it so 
strong that I couldn't stop thinking about this thing. And so this was, I was in my mid twenties. So it was like more than 10 years ago. <clears throat> and, uh, I was, excuse me, I was driving. Water, water <clears throat> break. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah. Water break really quick. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So I was, I was driving and I just was thinking about some, some people who really used all of the gifts God had given them in a beautiful way. They really served their community with their big house. They had church inside of it. They um, really used their time to serve people. And then I thought of somebody else who was very stingy with everything God give, had given them. And as I was thinking about that, I felt on my heart God saying, I'm making you a queen and everything you're about to go through is to make you a kind, generous, humble, loving queen. And again, I'm like 26 or something. And I'm like, God, that is weird. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. I just didn't know what to think. I'm like, that's really weird. So I didn't tell anyone. I didn't really think about it, but it wouldn't leave my heart either. And so I just went about my life for the next, you know, well, my brother ended up dying about a year later. And, oh, you know, that really knocked me into some empathy I, I didn't really have before. I had been really like positive and like always trying to be positive, but not, I couldn't mourn with those who mourn. I couldn't really um, meet someone in their pain and their sadness like I can now. And so then a whole bunch of things like got... God took me around the world to different places, experiencing different kinds of churches, different kinds of communities, um, and really, and then, you know, had me write a book and do all kinds of things. Um, and, and it was just two years ago that I had been working on a private jet, flying around the world, like living this fabulous life. But I had also been putting up with abuse from a colleague, one of the pilots on the plane had just constantly been, you know, saying mean things to me, saying things that were inappropriate. And I just like kind of laughed it off and put up with it. Um, my name was Melissa at the time, and which means honeybee. Huh. And um, of course, you know, Reina means queen. And um, so I just like, ha ha ha, you know, and then I started developing more self-respect and more self-respect. And finally, I decided to stand up to this guy and say, you know, that's not appropriate. You can't say these things to me. Um, he didn't like that, of course, and kept doing it. Finally, um, I had been singing under Reina. We talked about music before the show. Like I had been recording some demos in Toronto and whatnot. And I had been writing uh, a travel magazine under Reina. And finally, I felt on my heart to like change it legally, go to the court and put Reina Rose in my name. And um, I was like, that's a big step. I don't know. So at the same time that I finally reported the pilot, I, I knew I would lose my job if I did this. And this was my dream job that I had mm. like wanted my whole life. And so I just said, you know what, Melissa played small and she didn't want to make waves or lose her job. And every Bible study around me was about Jesus changing the name of the disciples. Every time I would tune into a podcast, it would be like how Jesus changes the names and how what that means in the Jewish history of names. And so mm -hmm. God could just kept confirming, yes, you really are supposed to change your name right now. And so I was like, you know, Melissa played small. She didn't want to lose her job. 
but Reina stands up for justice even in the face of loss. And if I can't stand up for justice in the face of losing a job, how will I stand up for justice in the face of nations or whatever God calls me to in the future? So it was this progression over 10 years, but I finally started seeing where God was calling me to be. Not a queen like come serve me, but a queen that you know stands up for justice regardless of the cost and goes forth and does what's right. Wow, that's amazing. Reminds me a little bit of Esther, right? The story in the Bible where yeah. I mean, she's a queen, but she it's almost like the king is, is the guy, right? And even though you're a queen, you don't have the same spot that he has. Right. But in a sense, God, God used her to, I mean, to save his people pretty much, right? And of Absolutely. course, the, the for the such a time as this, it's interesting because yeah. I visit um, Benedictine monasteries a lot, like a Catholic monastery. And uh, that's what one of the monks was telling me. He says, I think you're called for such a time as this, um, wow. like Esther. And um, wow. it's something that I don't take lightly that yeah. as I change, it, it's actually, it's hard when I speak to my Spanish speaking friends. I'm like, yeah, I changed my name to queen. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> you know, uh, what do you think of yourself? That's a little bit arrogant, but I'm like, oh, God told me to change my name to queen. <laughs> you know? yeah. Great. So it's wow. been a little bit funny with my Spanish speaking friends, but, uh, and you know, if people haven't made the switch, I don't like force them or anything. But it's definitely just been taking a stand for what's right and what God calls me to, even when it's hard, even when it's like Esther, you know, this is a risk to my livelihood. And over the last two years, you know, I was used to making, you know, more than six figures and traveling the world and being paid to do it. And now, you know, I'm like paying money to put my book out and not making money. <laughs> Wow. And it's like, okay, God, this is what you've called me to. I believe that you will provide and, and you'll make a way. Um, mm -hmm. But it was definitely a sacrifice to wow. do the right thing. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing, you know, because uh, you were saying that you <laughs> you were in many different countries and then you said you went to a school that was, I mean, I don't know how many, uh, you mentioned like an ethnicity or something. So I have no idea because... <laughs> Every country I've ever visited, it's Mexico and the U.S. Okay. And Canada so, uh, for like five minutes. So just tell me a little bit about, you know, where you travel and why and where you studied and maybe why, like, how, how was that for you? Sure. Yeah. So it's really interesting in this time of we're finally talking about diversity and inclusion in the United States because I went to school um, in Brunei, which is Borneo, um, it's like north of Australia and okay. on the equator. So I, I was raised four degrees north of the equator in Brunei. <clears throat> and I went to school with the Sultan of Brunei's children, the princesses and things. And wow. you know, back in the nineties when it was early nineties, uh, before Instagram and selfies and things, you know, I came back to the US and like, I went to school with princesses and the kids thought, uh-huh, <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> you <know? laughs> wow. My dad calls me a princess too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but the cool thing is I went to this international school. I think my brother and I were the only Americans there. Uh, and there's kids from Southeast Asia, from India, from Europe, all over the place. Um, because it's, uh, the Sultan would bring in the best people from around the world to fly his planes, be the mechanics on his cars, all these different things. And so my father was, uh, the, 
pilot and mechanic for one of his planes. And so we oh, went wow. and lived there. And um, I always joke that my brother and I became best friends there because half the time we were each other's only friends <laughs> because not all the pilot's kids stayed all year long. And so, but I went to this international school and it was so celebrated to have, um, you know, different ethnicities, different skin colors, different kind of clothing, different kind of music. And that was all really celebrated in the school. And then I came back to America when I was like just turning eight, nine years old. And the kids were like, if you don't wear Converse sneakers, you can't sit at our lunch table. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> wow. All of a sudden, everyone had to be the same, listen to the same music, wear the same clothes, look the same, you know, have the same haircut. And this was the most foreign concept to me because I had grown up with so much diversity and it all being really celebrated. And then I came back to America and everyone wants to be the same. Hmm. Wow, that's that is true. One one of the things when I um, not when I first came because I've been coming to America back and forth because my you no know, it's a long story, but my mom has been living here for a while. And, you know, I'm from Guadalajara, Mexico, and we, my family on my mom's side have been living in this area of Orange County, California for like the last, I'm just going to say like 60 years or so, like long time. Wow. Uh, so I would come visiting and then go back to Mexico, right? And then come the next Christmas and things like that. So visit family. But eventually one day I realized, I, I, well... First, in Mexico, like the first McDonald's started like in the 80s, you know, like the late 80s. Uh -huh. That's when Mexico was pretty much rural Mexico everywhere and maybe big cities, but still pretty rural. And then, uh, you know, we started having like all these massive corporations from the U.S. starting to establish in Mexico in different places. Mm -hmm. But then as I started visiting again as a, you know, maybe a young adult, I started noticing kind of what you're saying that in America, everything is so similar. Yeah. Because I remember flying to um, to Tijuana in the southern no, southern border of, of the U.S. on the west mm -hmm. with uh, San Diego. And as soon as I crossed to the United States, we're driving on the freeway. And it's like every five exits, exits you see the exact same kind of shops. Uh -huh. Right, so I was like, "Wow, a Target, a McDonald's, a Starbucks, a Walmart." Right, and yeah. then five five exits later, it's like, "Wow, a Target, a Walmart, McDonald's." Right, and every yeah. so on, it's just repeated, and that it just gave me this impression as no, like my first impressions as a grown up in America is like, "Wow, everything's so similar." It's like every city's got to have the exact same things. Uh -huh. So that people, it's like, it doesn't matter if you live in California or you go to Hawaii or you go to Colorado or you go to Tennessee. It's very similar. It's, it's no same kind of shopping mall, same kind of, you know, uh, uh, stores and stuff. And I was like, wow, it's, it's almost like, I don't know, sameness, you know, to your point. It is. It, Even the houses, like the same builders are across the all of America. So you'll see, right. you know, Toll Brothers homes in California or in yeah. Virginia. It doesn't matter where you go. And they're designed the same. They, they may have a couple of changes, but mm -hmm. it's pretty much the same house if That's it was right. built in the same decade, right? Yeah. So you're saying that that doesn't happen when you travel the world. The world is 
is not as you know it doesn't look the same as the United States in their no it's oh, more yeah. I mean, it's more I think diverse textbook they call it cookie cutter houses you know they're ah, like the yeah, same yeah. stamp over and over and over in America but yeah, yeah. when you know I loved uh, when I was living in France uh, I would live there about half the year and you know everything was different and there was beautiful architecture and of course it was older so you saw all this history throughout the architecture and um, yeah. You know, and people would wear different clothes. And I, I lived really close to Monaco and I, I sang for the church there. And wow. so I would be there a lot. And I loved like you would walk down the street and you would hear Russian and then Spanish and French and English and German, you know, and there was just so much diversity in one place. Mm -hmm. um, so was this all because me, your dad was a... <laughs> Was this all because your dad was a mechanic, like a pilot mechanic, and he had to travel, or or it's well, not so related to his my job? My dad. That's why I was in Brunei as a as a child was because of uh -huh. my dad being the pilot mechanic. And then when I actually right when I moved back from Chile because I was engaged down there, and then that was all broken, and I thought my life was over. Oh. Um, I I told my dad I want to be a flight attendant on the private jets like he was, mm. and um, he said, "Okay, you know, I'll see." who I know who could talk to you about it. And the person who talked to me about it said, you know, I think it's going to take you about 10 years and this many thousands of dollars. And I spent all my money living in Chile. So I'm like, oh, goodness. And so I just said, you know what? I'll pray about it. And so I prayed about it. And I was um, talking with someone in Houston about maybe having a job out there. And I was praying about going to Houston. And all of a sudden, I was going to like a lot of churches because I just needed a lot of Jesus at the time. And I, every church, it was like, take action. So I just bought a one-way ticket to Houston. And I didn't have like a place to live yet, a job lined up, a car, nothing. And I had almost no money left. But I really felt God leading me there. And within, and I had just learned Spanish in South America. So I ended up taking a job answering the phones in English and Spanish at a private airport. Wow. And, um, yeah. And so then I just really excelled there. You know, I gave everything and I did extra. I really, um, you know, showed that I was someone who was very capable. And within four months of working there, I had the job on the private jet that I was told would take 10 years of experience and all these thousands of dollars. And I had zero experience and they paid all the thousands of dollars of certifications for me. And for five years, I just flew around the world being paid to go to amazing places. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That, what are some of your favorite, you know, favorite countries or places you, you've ever been to and why? Just mention you know, a couple. It's always the people that make it my favorite place. So like Monaco, I really like because I have good memories with my people there, you know, and I have my church. And when I go there, I know I can um, plug back into the church and, and sing. I love leading worship. I love that kind of thing. Um, but it's also a beautiful country. It's so tiny. It's more like it's not even a state here in, in America. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I love Monaco. I loved, I loved living in Chile. I had like really good friends in Chile. Uh, I loved Borneo, actually. Brunei was fantastic. Um, That's awesome. You know, the Mediterranean is so beautiful for, as far as like just visiting uh, Mallorca de Palma is um, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, yeah. And I have some good friends there too. Yeah, it's, you know, it's that's really, so it's, cool. that's what life is about. It, it's it's yeah. great to be in a beautiful place, but you have to be with amazing people to make that beautiful mm -hmm. place worthwhile. Do you, do you think that is a, 
I mean, would you consider that almost like a privileged experience, like something you no, know, the, the majority of people don't experience? Do, do oh. you feel like yourself like that happened to you? And it's like, wow, this this is not you know regular type of job. This is awesome. Or, oh, absolutely. And I again, I I was told ten years of experience, thousands of dollars, and I said, you know what? I'll pray about it. And not in just like prosperity gospel. God's gonna give me whatever I want just because I pray, oh. but. Just having faith, you know, even as an author right now, the statistics are that less than 2% of authors uh, make a living by writing books. And wow. so I'm like, okay, I'll pray about that. And what do those 2% do? Like, I'll do that. And so, you know, putting yourself in the right place, the right time, and and prayerfully allowing God to open the doors and introduce you to the right people, um, you know, I think is important. But I also realize, like, I've had this, kind of experience in life from a young child that so many people yeah. haven't had you know so. yeah that's that's so cool yeah because i mean my experience traveling the world like i said it's just mexico and the u.s but i remember growing up in mexico i really had a lot of friends from all over the world kind of like here in yeah. the u.s you know there's a lot of immigrants mm -hmm. in mexico the same thing you know i remember having a friend from russia I remember having friends from Switzerland. I remember having friends from, well, all kinds of places, you know, from, from South America. Mm -hmm. So it was so cool, you know, but I, I have always felt like, man, I want to travel someday, you know, like I want to visit some of these places too. Russia is another one of my favorites. Yeah. And it's because I have some orphanages I sponsor there and the people are just so loving. Like mm. when I go there, It feels like heaven on earth. Like we just. That's awesome. We like dance and sing up in the farmhouses, which they call a dacha. Yeah. And like, if they didn't have nine month winters, I probably would live there right now. <laughs> <laughs> can you, I mean, can, how do, do they, because one, well, I'll tell you this. One of my friends is a YouTuber. He became an influencer like three years ago uh -huh. uh, because he has a YouTube um, soccer channel. Cool. And he talks about soccer pretty much everywhere in the world, but he focuses a lot on, you know, the what's happening in um, in Europe with the Euro Cup and all of that. I lost track, you know, of soccer ever since I moved to America. I was but in I just, France when France won the cup. It was like the best 90, day in France. 98? We were all honking and people were going crazy in the streets all night long. <laughs> you mean in 1998? No, just a couple years ago. Ah, okay. So ah, okay, okay. So France they won, won against Russia. Okay. And but that was in France. Oh, you were in France, but they won in Russia. Yeah, but France won the cup and France was going ah, crazy. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the whole like everywhere I went, people were honking. Like That's awesome. People partied in the streets until three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember watching the World Cup when it was in I mean from Mexico, but it used to be in France in ninety eight. So that's why I was like, Oh, you were you there in ninety eight? No, But I it think was it was awesome. like twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, I think. Twenty eighteen. Okay. Yeah. There's been so many. I kinda <laughs> lost track. But my I just friend remember who, because yeah. everywhere people were going crazy. Yeah. It was so much no, it's fun. awesome. It's a big thing. I I think in the US there's they're you no know, picking it up a little bit. But they don't have that same enthusiasm that other countries do. But it's getting better. Have no, you I ever seen growing. the little puppets? Um, it's like a YouTube video and the one puppet is like from Mexico and the other one's from America and they're watching the soccer game and the American one is like, 
and he's about to do this, and then he scores the goal, and good job, yeah. let's clap for him. <laughs> and then the Mexico one's like, oh yeah, and he got a goal, goal! You know, yeah. he's like going so crazy. <laughs> like, which one would you rather be at, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, yeah, America has a little bit of that, you know, the, they're very stoic, but yeah. British too. But British is like, they have two versions. They have very stoic, or they have the hooligans, you know, which yeah. is like, they're crazy. They're just like, <laughs> they're, yeah, like, they're like either for really soccer. crazy or really stoic. That's what actually, when I was living in Chile, if I didn't speak too much, because I would run out of vocabulary eventually. Um, mm -hmm. I remember someone telling my fiance, he's like, oh, where's she from? In Chile. And he's like, she's American. <laughs> they're like, oh, wow. like, usually Americans are more cold, you know, they're more stoic and they don't like mm -hmm. kiss the cheeks and they feel a little uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, they thought I was Chilean. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I just met with a couple friends from Argentina. And in Mexico, we usually we do like greet someone with a kiss on the cheek. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially women or uh, no, a guy and a girl would of do course. that, you know, just like courtesy. But Argentinians kiss both cheeks. And also guys, no, a uh -huh. guy would kiss another guy. So anyways, we met with the Argentinians and when Argentinians meet, it's like, you know, 20, 30 of them come to the one house. <laughs> and this is here in America, right? This is here uh -huh. in Orange County. So they're very loud. They're very lively. And one of them comes and he greets everyone with a kiss, right? Hey, how you mm -hmm. doing? And then he comes to me. I'm like, oh, I'm still Mexican, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then he moves on, right? By like the third guy that shows up, I say the same thing. It's like, whatever. And then he kisses me. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. So by the end of the night, I was kissing all the guys. No, goodbye. Of course, like, okay, of course. bye. You know, See you. <laughs> you know, funny story about the kisses. So I was used to kissing in Chile, so it wasn't a big deal. But then when I went to France, and I can't remember which side is which, but in the south of France, you kiss, I think, on the left, the right cheek. And in the north of France, like Paris, you kiss on the left cheek. And so, you know, I was flying with my boss. He would go back and forth all the time. And so I would get to Paris and I was used to kissing on the left cheek. And now we're supposed to kiss on the right cheek or whatever. And I'm like bonking noses with people because <laughs> I can't remember which side to go on. Yeah. All kinds of confusion. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would see myself totally doing that and then trying to figure out you know which side of the road you gotta drive on. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, I love how cultures are so different. <laughs> Even to the point of you know, roads are different than you know in other parts of the world and they drive on the other side. I mean, little things like that, it's it's interesting, you know, how their society was built in a way that, you know, they think backwards maybe. Or we do. <laughs> <laughs> or we do. That's so cool. So I was saying my friend, you know, who became the YouTuber with the with the soccer thing, he yeah. ended up going to Russia for the World Cup that was there in Russia, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Okay, so that one. But he said, man, I couldn't understand anything. You know, they're like the worst at putting signs on the roads. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, where is the stadium? How do I get there? And it's just like, ha 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 or whatever. It's like, I had, you know, like language barrier he's like the worst experience ever trying to get to places and reading signs and you no know, bringing out my phone is like what does it say there and how do i get to a stadium but anyways 
Yeah. At least now we have Google Translate, so you can literally just like speak into yeah. your phone the English thing, and it will come out in Russian for the person to understand. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I love how you no know, technology it's advancing so much. I use my phone too when um, no, you have a. Can you? Oh yeah. I was like, where's my camera? When you have this and you put the the camera on top of you no know, whatever whatever it's saying and it translated on the camera. So like you put it right here and on the image, you see the actual translation of what you're putting. So is that on Google Translate? Uh, I think it's Google Translate. I'm not sure if it was huh, the I app I was using. I haven't used that feature before. I usually just yeah. use it like, um, like when I go to the orphanages in Russia, we have oh. translators there, but sometimes they're off doing something else. And so if I'm just kind of mm -hmm. like sitting next to someone and we want to have a chat, we just text, like basically text each other, but we're sitting right next to each other oh, so that yeah, we yeah. can understand, so can understand each other? what the other person means. Wow. Because I know enough Russian to like, sometimes when they ask me a question, I can yeah. answer like a very simple answer, but then when I want to form a new question, I need the translator. Yeah. Wow. No, but that's so cool. Yeah, it's just incredible how technology has changed. And it, I mean, it's still hard, but it's easier to communicate with somebody, right? If if you oh, have yeah. a device or if you have you know, a little bit of technology with you, you might get away with understanding somebody else. That's so cool. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about your, you know, your journey of of faith i don't know what what you want to call it you know your journey yeah. of with with your faith and your upbringing and how i mean because you said when you were 19 you were doing training what did you say you were doing some sort of um yeah i, I, I started a fitness, fitness business when i was 19. yeah uh -huh. so you were in the fitness industry and going back a little bit to that you know that connection to even how we eat you know, the things we put in our body and how is that not necessarily translate, you know, to what sin is and you no, know, like I wouldn't shame somebody for eating bad, right? Eating a right. pizza and say, oh, you're just, exactly. just, just a sinner, right? You're, you're bad or evil. But, uh, but in a sense, I think it's very helpful. So what has been your experience with this whole, I mean, is it wellness or what do you call it? Um, that that made you want to pursue even, you know, having your own book. And uh, I don't know, just tell me about, you know, how did you get there? Yeah. So, I mean, my faith experience, you know, I, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I was working in the infant and toddler rooms at church since I was 14. Right. And I was a junior high leader from like, I think 16 to 22. I was like really involved in the church and things. And then I got married really young. I got married when I was 20 and um, divorced by 23. And so wow. when I was divorced, I just, it seemed like all of my friends from church suddenly ditched me as if divorce was contagious, right? <laughs> so, well, what, wasn't uh, it like, didn't they divorce you when you got married first at 20? Because you know, I mean, I've had a friend, it was my best friend. And then I got married. I got married later on, you know, like at 28 or something. Uh -huh. But after I got married, it was like my friend is like, oh, like he's got a new best friend. And he was <laughs> well, he was a little mad. Did you ever have that experience with your friends? No, <laughs> when, when got I got married? married, it was just like, you know, because I had a lot of friends who were like, I was 
kind of a like tomboy growing up. I was always skateboarding and surfing and stuff with all my guy friends. And then I would do like beauty pageants on the weekend for my mom, you know, and cheerleading. <laughs> and then like go back to skateboarding. And, you know, they're like, don't get any uh, like cuts and bruises for the pageants the next weekend. <laughs> and so I had like a lot of friends from church and we just like brought in my husband as one of the guys, you know, and mm. so we all hung out and they ended up getting wives and girlfriends and we would just, we were kind of like a bunch of kids who were married and had fun, you know, and Sounds so super young, <laughs> but really young. Old. Yes. Yeah. So young, uh, you know, we were still little kids ourselves in a lot of ways. And my ex-husband, he had uh, two daughters. And so we did a lot with them and, and things. And then my friends had some kids young. And so I think, you know, they had kids anyway, when I, uh, when we got divorced, they kind of like sided with him for several years. And mm -hmm. so I just felt like abandoned by, first of all, I felt like I got married um, just to be a good girl, you know, in the church, like mm -hmm. I, I want to do the right thing and be the perfect Christian. Um, and then, you know, when my friends ditched me, I just sort of ran away from God, like total prodigal son, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, just, as far and fast from anything Christian that I could, because I just felt like all these people who claimed to love me suddenly abandoned me in my time oh. of need. Right. Yeah. And um, so, but eventually of course I started craving God again, you know, you, you can't go along and just not have that craving. And so as I started coming back to churches, I, I went in very wary. I walked out of a lot of them <laughs> and, um, but I just knew I wanted God, but I didn't, but I wanted it in a more authentic way than I had experienced before. You know, before it was very moralistic. I'm a good girl. I do the right things and I can judge everybody else who doesn't. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, as I started coming back to God, you know, at first, honestly, I couldn't even use the word Jesus, like, because it had been so cliched. It was like, you know, what would Jesus do? Jesus loves you. I don't, but here's a pamphlet and go about your way. <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, and so, but I, I started making this journey back and I found a, I, again, I walked out of a lot of churches, but I finally found this contemplative community through my old pastor. Um, and they would sit in contemplative prayer, you know, for a while, just like the um, Catholic monks do where you're, I always joke, like my prayer life used to be where I would give God like a laundry list of my problems and then tell him how to fix them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then as I learned contemplative prayer, I started listening for God and listening to his voice. And when I went to this group, I could ask questions that, you know, in some churches might be considered like a heretic question. And I would be met with like, that's an interesting perspective, or I've never thought of it that way. Tell me more. And I could really flesh out this internal issues I was having around theology without being judged, without being told I was wrong and allowed to go on this journey where I deepened my faith so much that it really became my own. And I would like start researching you know, monks from the 14th century, the 16th century, the 18th century, and like see how, Christ what parts of Christianity have changed over time, which parts have stayed the same, so that I could get a better understanding while reading scripture myself of 
what has stayed the same all the way through and what parts are cultural? You know, what parts are just our society here and now putting their own lens on this Christianity thing? And I, and I wanted, and that's what my book is really about. Like, let's ask these questions. I'm not going to give you any answers because you need to find those on your own, but let's ask some new questions because I think when we go into Christianity just to be good boys and girls um, and have like a moral lens, it's just not enough. That's just not that deep seeking of truth in God that, um, and, and eventually I was able to say Jesus again, but at first I had to say Christ. Wow. And, um, but finding that deep truth in Christ, uh, it came from a lot of searching. And I think that that's not a bad thing sometimes to fall away and really search your way back. Yeah, very interesting journey. Um, yeah, I had a, what, whatever, right? I had my own journey of faith too. Uh, but I love that, you know, when you say it's, it's almost like it's easy to say, yeah, I love Jesus, right? <laughs> I'm a Christian and I love Jesus or I'm a Christian, even saying that, right? I'm a Christian. Right. But uh, I came to like this conflict because uh, I started working for the church uh, like four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I love it. I still work here and I love it. But I was like, why am I doing this? Like, why do, why do I get paid to do things like this? When growing up in Mexico, it's like you do these things because you love to do them. And it's, you know, you do it as a volunteer and it's not mm -hmm. a job. There's, it's not a, it's, we, it's like here it's professionalized, right? Yes. And, and we want to protect the institution at all costs. Yeah. And, and exactly. We want to protect it. And, but I went through a similar journey where I'm like, what does it mean when I say that I'm a Christian? And I think... It's it's now, it's not easy, but I think I'm almost like on the same path you were, where now I can say, like even these two statements cost me a lot of, you know, mental process and, yeah. and whatever, right? But saying God is good and Jesus is God, mm -hmm. those were monumental steps for me to take again. You know, yeah. very similar process because like, to say that God is good, yes. I mean, it sounds easy, right? Oh yeah, God is good. All good things come from God. But, but to all the like time, yeah, God <laughs> is good all the time. But to experience <laughs> it, to like know that all the source of goodness, everything good in this world has a source, and to acknowledge that that is some awesome creator. Mm -hmm. who showcases that goodness 100% through Jesus, that takes, I mean, to me, that's that's the fu full and complete revelation of who God is and the heart of the Father is through Christ and it's through Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see it before. You know, it was just like, almost like you know, the religiosity of saying, oh, I'm a believer and God loves me, or no, I love Jesus. But to understand that you are loved takes faith. Right. Because oh, it's easier yeah. to say, oh, I love Jesus. But do you know that you are loved, that you are unique, that you are uh, you no, know, even as we think of you no, know, the universe and creation, some people might think, oh, well, I'm, I'm just here because, you know, the universe prepared, uh, you know, prepared this place for me. But to me, it goes deeper than that. If it, if it just states with you know, the universe it's like there's no purpose there. No, but if you understand yeah. that you are loved and that you can be connected to other humans, it's mm -hmm. like, wow, 
that is that that takes a whole deeper level and i found that through jesus that's why no even this podcast is like oh i don't know if i should call it christian podcast but it's what <laughs> made more sense for the church as a whole and moving into the 21st century i was like okay i'm gonna take the step of faith and do it you know and here we are <laughs> episode number 14. yeah you know i think you're right like we we really we have to come to a deeper understanding of just i go to church and i'm a christian is is not quite enough uh, i mean if that satiates your soul just i go to church and i'm a christian uh, great i guess but i feel like a lot of times you know we have these deeper questions and that's what i really mm -hmm. dig into in my book is like what are some of those questions that you're asking in Oh, so actually at the end of every section, there's a bunch of questions. Um, so it, it gets, so basically the idea of sin tastes good is it's kind of Proverbs wisdom for a modern age. I love, you know, I've gone through several seasons where I've just read a proverb a day. When I teach business classes to my Russian orphans, like I, you know, if you ask them, I always say two things, learn English and read Proverbs. Like if you do those two things, you'll be good at business. Wow. <laughs> and so because Proverbs has everything you need to know to run a business, right? Just about yeah. like it's, it's all the basic principles. And so um, basically it's, it's stuff that we know, but we need to be reminded and we need to really get clear and ask ourselves some new questions. And so a lot of the things I go into in the book, some of them are basic Proverbs kind of stuff. Like, okay, look at what you want to have in life and be in life and do in life and look at what you're doing. And if what you're doing isn't going towards what you want and would like to be, then you need to repent, which simply means turn 180 degrees to mm -hmm. what you want to become and do. And so, and then I also redefine sin, not in defining it a different way, but reminding people that all it means is to miss the mark. And we can all admit without guilt and shame on top of it that we all miss the mark. You know, sometimes we wanted to do this and we got a little off track. We can, we can say that without feeling, um, without shaming ourselves or anyone else about it. And so I think when we think about sin, we don't need to think about guilt and shame so much, but mm -hmm. more so like if you think of, if you've ever, have you ever um, done archery where you like One use time. bow and arrow? Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you done it? Oh yeah. I miss the mark all the time. Right. So. <laughs> You know, if we guilt and shamed you about it, we would just say like, oh, you stink and you'd walk off the field and throw the arrow down, right? Mm -hmm. But instead, if I just said, you know, Beto, aim a little bit more to the left and you're going to hit the target. You're going to keep practicing and you're going to aim a little bit more to the left and you're going to get closer and closer until you hit the target. And I think some of the problem we've had in religion as a whole is we tell people, you stink, you're no good at that, you're sinning, you're bad, you're horrible, and people just walk off the field instead of saying, you know what, I think if you just adjusted this one little thing in your life, you'd get a lot closer to that target. Maybe try this instead, and you're going to miss because you're not perfect at this yet, and you maybe never will be, and that's okay, but you can get closer. And I think if we take this non-judgmental, not guilting and shaming approach, more people would be drawn to try to get closer to the mark, which I believe that mark is living heaven on earth. 
And, you know, I think when Jesus said that the road is narrow and few will find it, I personally don't think that is who gets into heaven or hell when they die. I really think that's that, you know, he said the kingdom is here and now. The kingdom is now. And I think he's talking about the kingdom here and now. Few will find that fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in this lifetime. Few will find that. However, I think we can aim just a little bit more one direction or another. And if we pay attention to our inner lives and the connection with God, the connection with ourselves and connection with other people, we can get closer and closer to that target. And the heaven on earth, I describe it. Have you ever had that moment where like you are just so grateful and so it feels like your heart could burst. You just have a moment like that. Mm-hmm. I believe like when we're hitting the mark, we're still going to have ups and downs. That's life. But we'll have more often those heaven on earth moments where we just know that God is in this moment and we are grateful and the people around us, we're so connected and we're so connected to him. And, and we're going to live these bursting from our hearts um, weeks and months and years of our lives rather than just a moment here and there. And when I hear yeah. people who've had like, I've heard it called near life experiences where they've died for a little bit and gone to heaven. That's like, they say that they feel like you're so full of life abundantly that you're going to burst because wow. you're just so full. And yeah. I believe we can live that way more of the time. Wow. That's such a awesome, interesting point of view. I, I think I can relate so much, you know, and I even have a theory but I don't think the world is ready to hear it. <laughs> I'm ready to hear it. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> I'll tell you. My theory, it's called the theory of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's pretty much what you're saying, you know, because it's, it's the same thing. You know, I was in my process of understanding, like, why do we say that, that God is good, right? And looking at, you know, it's, it's kind of looking at the problem of evil a little bit too. And like, why do bad things happen to good people and that sort of stuff? Um or why do the bad thrive, no? Or mm. why do evil people or the wicked, you know, do yeah. good or get you know, get good rewards, right? <laughs> um, so dealing anyways, dealing with those questions and well, I, I guess I would have to, to tell a little bit of my wife's story and journey, but we went through it together, but it was a time where we experienced um, darkness and it looked a lot like pulling who you love the most away from you. Mm. you know, pulling the people that you are supposed to care for the most away from you. So going through this thing is like, wow, really? The I mean, we we came on the other side, like conquering and defeating this this uh, I would say maybe temptation or this this time of testing or struggle. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Mother Teresa called it a dark night of the soul. Wow. The dark exact that's exactly mm-hmm. how it felt. You know, the dark night of the soul. And actually somebody, I mean, because you're talking about how your name changed and things like that. And it, it, like you're saying, I don't know why, but he, God told me, like, hey, you know, change your name. And it's it's like uh it's not super metaphysical, but it's not your typical in the flesh kind of experience, right? Right. So, when we were going through this dark night of the soul, 
uh, we we felt like okay we conquered we we succeeded and then we get a phone call from one of our friends who haven't talked to us in like two years not because just because no he lives far and we don't see each other that yeah. much but he's a good friend right so he calls us and it's like hey guys you know I don't know why but I feel like I gotta tell you this and I'm not the type of guy that says you know I had a dream and and I'm gonna call you and and this dream this happened <laughs> and it's gonna happen to you. But I just, you know, I told my wife and she said, you know, I think you should really call them and tell them. So in the dream is like I saw you guys um, first. You were looking at a car. No, first you guys were in the car and the car was driving so fast, you know, 100 miles per hour. Mm. And then the car hit a wall and got completely destroyed, complete total wreck. Mm. But then. I saw you guys were outside and you were watching. You guys were not in the car anymore, but wow. you were you were a little bit like, oh, like what what just happened? You know, like uh, a little bit like stirred up and like, what was that? You know, and that's all he saw. You know, that's that's my dream. But he tells us that and he had no idea what we went through. And he's like, so we tell him that makes total sense. It's exactly how we felt. It's just like a mental picture, like an yeah. image to understand the process we were going through and and to understand you guys are not, you guys it seemed like you guys were going to be crushed and wrecked but you guys mm -hmm. were actually outside and you guys were watching the whole thing and so after you know going through this this dark night of the soul uh I forgot how to tie it I forgot how to <laughs> to I tie it to you, but, though, oh, to what do the, you feel like you um Obviously, like God doesn't just test us for no reason and take us through yeah. these trials. Did you feel like God really either strengthened your marriage or your faith or what came out of that time of nearly yeah. crashing into the wall? Uh, I think it's almost like an awakening, right? Yeah. But a, an awakening to um to almost like what you're saying. Oh, yeah, because I was talking about the theory of the kingdom. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's an awakening to this reality that yes there is evil mm -hmm. but because there is evil there is good you know mm -hmm. and and i i don't necessarily know where evil comes from and i cannot point it to god i cannot say god created evil but i know god is good like god created good like everything good there is to experience in this life comes because he exists yeah so i think with this experience it was like it was almost like it felt a lot like what jesus went through when he was tempted with the three temptations. now i'm gonna offer yeah. you the kingdoms of the earth just bow down to me and worship mm -hmm. me and then uh you know why don't you just jump off the the cliff and you know the angels will come and protect you it felt a lot like that you know that that type of temptation yeah uh, but coming on the other side it's like wow like it, it's almost like now we can in a good way almost like adam and eve like now we can differentiate between good and evil but with an intention to choose good like it's almost like discernment like wow this is what good is and this is how i can pursue it so with that with that awakening I read scripture like in a brand new way. Mm. So when I'm reading, 
you know, I'm reading whomever, no, all the, the New Testament, Paul or Peter or, mm -hmm. you know, the Gospels. It makes so much sense now. It's just like, wow, this is, it's, it's like the goodness of God is showcasing again and again and again and again through the life of Christ. And Absolutely. he said, yeah, and he said, everything there is to know. So it all comes down to like this, this, uh, I think it's in, I forgot which one it is, but it's one of the disciples is asking Jesus, Jesus, show us the father. Mm -hmm. He's like, he says, I've been, I've with, been you with you mom. all this time <laughs> and you still don't know. He's like, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. And yeah. then he, he elaborates. I forgot if it's right after that verse or if it's later on, but he elaborates and says, everything there is to know about the father, I have made known to you. Yeah. So, so those verses is like, wow. So if God is good and he says he's made everything that there is to know about the father known to, to the disciples, yeah. it's like, what does that look like? So when you look at all the interactions of Jesus with people in every single one of them, it's like, it's, he's showcasing the goodness of God. And what I love, this is the yeah. theory of the kingdom, that the kingdom of God is heaven type of relationships on earth Amen. so that's where i feel like exactly what you're saying you know the, the the that we can live heaven on earth yeah it's like oh that is so good because i i just call it the kingdom of god right the kingdom of god is now here it is exactly and that's i, I think about i think it's elijah i always get elisha and elijah confused me too but the one who walked into heaven with god you know mm -hmm. i think that when we live this heaven on earth kind of life, I believe mm. like that we'll just walk into heaven with God. It's, go it's going to be like a seamless transition, but I want, I want to go back to something that you were a saying. A whirlwind. Um, yeah. Amen. And, um, you know, the disciples were with Jesus all this time, right? In the flesh with him day and night, and they still didn't get it. And so I think, yeah. you know, for us, you know, we're reading scriptures. Of course we have time, and especially when we go to like, um, oh, it's not, what are the three scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke Synoptic, are called something I can't think of right now. Synoptic Gospels. And what's that? Synoptic Gospels. Yes, Synoptic Gospels. And then you've got John, you know, with the more time since when, to think about it all. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but if, if these disciples are with Jesus day and night, all the time, and still didn't get it. I think for us to think that we know exactly, you know, when we come in and we have these boxed answers that this is the answer to this, and this is the answer to that, and that's exactly how it how it works. It is a little bit arrogant in my opinion. You know, I think um, I love how the different monks, like Catholic monks throughout the ages, have really rested in the mystery of God and that God will reveal his mysteries to us and his his own time mm -hmm. um that there's so much mystery we don't understand and mm -hmm. to be you know humble to know that all right we know that that jesus has revealed god to the disciples and we know all of this and there's so much we don't know there's so much you know and i think about um i think about like the end times right uh we've got like the left behind movies and the ways we think it might work out right yeah. But I wonder if, if as Christians we're saying, you know, that the Jewish people missed 
the Messiah because they were looking for a literal king to come and literally take over the Romans and free them, you know, literally and not free their hearts. Mm-hmm. So they missed the Messiah, right? In our um, rendition. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, you know, the times of tribulation, the rapture may not be like our actual body. There, a rapture might be like that we are peaceful, even in the time of chaos, that God is taking care of his children, that maybe it's not as literal as, you know, like mm-hmm. the Left Behind movies make it out to yeah. be. <laughs> I, I was talking to one of his super futuristic, his, he wrote a book called uh, Rings of Fire. His uh-huh. name is Leonard Sweet. So he's one of my my first firster episodes. Um, <laughs> and he he was talking about, because I asked him, you know, like you're almost like predicting things that are going to happen and you got it right because he, he said, you know, we got to be careful with viruses coming from China. And this is in 2019, right? Oh, or wow. 18 when he wrote the book. So I was like, how do you go about that? I mean, are you pre- making predictions? Are you prophesying? Is this the apocalypse? And what he explained to me uh, that I, I just loved, you know, and I, I have taken that with me ever since that episode. He was saying that the apocalypse, like apocalyptic means the unveiling, right? That's what revelation means. It's like the taking off of a, of a blindfold. So he's like, so in that sense, yes, I want to be more apocalyptic because I want that blindfold to be taken off my my spiritual eyes so that I can see. Absolutely. So when I understood that, I, it's almost like this idea, you know, like, wow, I'm not really looking, even though it might be whatever, you know, if it looks like the movies, <laughs> so be it, right? But But my understanding is more about can we take the blindfold so that your soul and your spirit can be free? Right. Absolutely. And, and it's not and, that's not attached to any circumstances the world might be going through. Because yeah. I feel like we've had wars and rumors of wars ever since. <laughs> and they don't stop. Exactly. And you know, like you said, it, it we may have like the movies where we disappear and great. You know, it's funny, someone was talking to me during, you know, the election and they were really getting um upset that this is gonna be the end and you know and I said Yeah. Okay, so Donald Trump is gonna flip the. Well, that's the Avengers when <laughs> the half of <laughs> right, the population. You know, yeah, <laughs> now, that Avengers. That was a pretty creepy end, actually. <laughs> but um, you know, but I'm like, you know, we're probably gonna have if if it goes one way, we might have a few days of chaos. If it goes another, you know, and I said, and if Jesus comes back, great. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> if 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 that's what happens, then that's cool too. Um. But, you know, I think the idea was, he says, you know, have your lamps lit, like be yeah. pursuing God and be connecting with his people. You know, everything was summed up when they asked Jesus the greatest commandment, you know, love God, love people. And if you do that, all the others take care of themselves. Like if you love God and you love people, you're not going to murder them. You're not going to commit adultery with their spouse. You're not going to covet what they have. You're going to be happy because you love them. You know, all mm-hmm. the commandments fall into place if we just love mm-hmm. God and we love his people. And that's, so that's what, you know, being Christian or Christ-like or little Christ, however we would describe it, is really loving God and loving people. And when you mm-hmm. love someone, you know, we, we go to James and, you know, and that it requires action. You know, if you, 
I'm sure, you know, if you have a Mexican mom, you know, if you don't call her, <laughs> you know, I'm sure oh, she's yeah. probably like, don't you All love me? <laughs> you know? no, she, and same she thing just with called me people. and she's like, hey, when are you going to be home? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, like if you don't call and you don't show your love, she's going to mm -hmm. say, hey, what's going on? Do you love your mom or not? And the same exactly. is true with, you know, we need to love God and love his people, which means we need to reach out to the broken, the fallen And, and the people who are doing great, you know, and continue mm -hmm. to edify and lift them up in Jesus. And so, you know, it's important that we're doing all of those things, that we're edifying the people who are doing well, that we're lifting up and, and edifying as well, the people who are broken. You know, one thing that I make sure to do all the time, I have these little cards in my car for people who are experiencing homelessness. And they just have like some encouraging verses. And uh, I prayed for you. And this is a little prayer and five dollars you know and so it's meeting their like physical needs but also saying like if you got this i prayed for you and i will make sure that i prayed for them as i wrote it i pray for them as they drive away you know that we're really loving god's people and so that does require action but it, but it has to be for the you know I only tell you the story so that like people can be inspired to do their own thing, to make sure that mm -hmm. they're like constantly reaching out to God's people. Right. Yeah. That's so good, Reina. Uh, that's so cool. I, I want to start, you know, wrapping it up, but um, how would you like to wrap it up? Like w what are some of the thoughts that, you know, you want to take with you or you want people to take with them uh, some of your, your takeaways or some of your, no, some of your, where do you want to point people to in a sense? Uh, well, I, I want to point people to, to silence, to discovering their creator. I think one of the things I really try to teach a lot is to slow down and listen to that still quiet voice of God. You know, so often we're just, running around, busy, busy all the time, so many thoughts in our heads that there's almost not room for God's thoughts. And we really have to make that space and make God a priority. And that's where, you know, we can say, oh, we worship the idols of money or work or whatever. Um, and I don't think we do it consciously, but I think that when we really love God, love people, you know, we make time for the people we love. And that needs to include God and time to listen to God You know, if you had a friend that you only talked to and you only asked for favors from, you wouldn't be a very good friend. <laughs> um, and of course, God loves you and wants to give the world to you and has so much more power to do anything that you can. But, you know, listening, because a lot of times we ask, 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 but we don't get quiet enough for the answers. And so I would just encourage people, um, grab your journal, go somewhere, sit in the grass or somewhere in nature or just on your lawn. It doesn't matter. Um, Or actually, sometimes I literally go in my closet and, uh, you know, like the Bible says, go into a closet. But somewhere yeah. where you can be quiet and listen to God, turn your phone off, for, leave it at home, and really just listen to God. That's the thing I would encourage the most. And That's one so thing good. I do, do caveat that with is I, I often say, you know, just pray really quick. Ask God that nothing of the enemy or your own thoughts come through, that, but that God would really speak to you. That way, when God speaks and whatever comes up, you don't doubt it because otherwise you'd be like, oh, that was just my thought. Or I think that was just, yeah. you know, something I thought of last week. But um, 
if you say that little prayer, just asking for God to let only his voice come through, you can trust what comes through. That's so cool. That's so good. And um, just tell me a little bit about your book. What what are your plans with the book? Is it going to be, are going to be people be able to find it on Amazon or how do people yeah, get it? Yeah, it's going to be on Amazon come Thanksgiving 2020. It's releasing. Nice. And um, you can also go on to uh, reina-rose.com. That's R-E-I-N-A-R-O-S-E.com. And you can find out about the book launches, giveaways, um, community things that we're coming up with, some courses and stuff so that, you know, churches could go through this book together and things like that. So that's all on um, reina-rose.com. And of course, you can follow me on The Soul Nutritionist on Instagram. Soul Nutritionist on Instagram and Roku. And as we were <laughs> yes, saying Roku today... Is soul Nutrition is my show. <laughs> yeah, Soul Nutritionist. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Uh, with your new book and just where the Lord might take you. That's so cool. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your experience, your travels. I feel like I, I travel around the world as you were <laughs> telling me how you lived in Monaco and uh, Northern Australia and all these places. Uh, so cool. Thank you so much for you know, sharing a little bit of your heart out and maybe you know, hope to talk to you sometime in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So, my friends, there you have it. Thank you for tuning in. You know you can find me on ChristianPodcast.com, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Roku. I'll see you guys on the next one. Much love and appreciation from the little town in Costa Mesa, California, to all the world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review wherever you can. You can also visit christianpodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista.